Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Do keep everyone in your prayers uh, that were mentioned, especially Brother Gary at the prison. I've been praying for his uh, parole, but also um, I've been praying that he just might get a full release. I mean, God can do whatever, you know, God wants to do, but I've been praying for that. So uh, do keep him in your prayers. Jimmy, thanks for the songs. Uh, I think you can tell what our lesson is going to be this morning. Uh, I don't think we uh, rejoice enough as Christians. Uh, the Bible is filled with rejoicing and reasons to rejoice. Uh, we're really good at being solemn and somber, and there's times when we need to do that. But there's also times when we need to rejoice, and we're told to rejoice, and we need to let it go and rejoice in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us. Uh, and maybe it's just because uh, so many of us, you know, we're now adults, you know, and uh, that's just not something adults do, right? Even out here in the world, we just don't get excited about a lot of things, right? Like the children do when they have a birthday party or they get to go to the lake to fish. You know, it's all wide-eyed and everything's fun and exciting. And but for us, it's you know, oh, um, you know, we did this before, and uh, nothing uh, causes us to jump for joy anymore. I'm trying to get you to think back, when is the last time? that you really got excited about something, you adults. Maybe it was when he popped a question, huh? Maybe you got a little bit excited about that, but you knew it was coming, right? Or maybe for the guy, it was when she said yes. Uh, you were hoping she said yes. You were thinking she would. Uh, and when she did, okay. Did you get excited about that? Last time you had a promotion... Were able to buy the new car, the new baby, the new grandchild? You smiled a little bit, but do we get thrilled and overjoyed with these things so that, you know, we can't wipe the smile off our face? God is a God of giving and gifts, and like we've been singing, great things that he gives to us. Let's turn to Nehemiah 8 and 10. You got your little handout sheet there. It's a verse that might uh, perplex us a little bit. And we're not going to, this is just kind of an introductory verse here. The situation was that Israel just was coming back from captivity, and some were still in captivity, and they were coming back in waves, and they. We're in the process here in Nehemiah of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And they had uh, enemies around that didn't want them to do that, and enemies that were sending letters to the king and saying, look what these Jews are doing. And uh, they were physically trying to harm them uh, to keep them from doing this, and they had to work on the walls with their, with their swords and their spears at the same time. And so it wasn't a good time for Israel. It was a time of hardship. But in the midst of this, 
we have in this chapter 8, Ezra brings out the law of Moses on this one day, and he stands up in front of the people and he reads it to them. And they haven't heard the law of God for a long time. And probably some of them had not heard it at all. And they all begin to cry because of the whole situation. They're hearing all these promises of God. They're hearing about who God is. And they begin to weep. And they're told, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We don't want you crying today. This is not a day to cry. Let's, read, let's start with verse 9. The Nehemiah was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord our God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. And he said to them, Go, eat the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And sometimes we ask, what does that mean, the joy of the Lord is your strength? The joy of the Lord is your power. I think what this means is, and we're going to unfold this in 1 Peter 1, that when we come to really understand what blessings God is giving us, the goodness of God, the person of God himself, and the fact that he loves us, and what he has given us now and has in store for us in the future, that should give us so much joy that it gives us the strength to face the trials and troubles of life. That we are just overjoyed to be gods. And no matter what happens, and we, you know, we don't want the bad to happen, sometimes it does. But we're not going to let that steal our joy. We're just going to rejoice in God, no matter what. That, our, that the joy is greater than the adversity. The joy is deeper than the grief. The joy just overflows and combats all the evil that might happen to us. I think that's what he means. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's go to 1 Peter 1. And I'm going to encourage you. You know, Wednesday night, no, it was last Sunday night at the Song and Scripture, Don, Don used a lot of my favorite scriptures. Ones you go to to get encouraged, to be reminded of what you have. But he didn't use this one. Okay? He didn't use this one. And this is one of my very favorites, these 10 verses in 1 Peter. And if you're ever down and you're ever struggling, you ever think it's over, all right, you're ever in that deep pit, you need to go here and read this several times and reflect on it, what Peter is saying to these Christians. That's what part of this word is for, as we've said before. When we, when we have problems, we have situations, Prayer is great, and we need to pray. But we also need to visit the Word of God to renew our faith, to be reinvigorated in our spirits, and to remember some of these things that had happened to people in the days gone by and how God had rescued them. He did not forsake them. 
And he brought them through, as we would say, with flying colors in a better place than they were to begin with. That's what this word of God, part of it's for. So let's dig in. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. As always, we need to remember that this is about God. It's not about me. It's not about you. This is about God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who does this. He is the one who makes all this possible. He is the one who is with you, and he will not forsake you. Whenever we take our eyes off Jesus, like you know the story with Peter walking on the water, we go down, okay? When we start to look at the problem, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, doesn't it? But when you keep looking at Jesus, the problem pales, and we understand he can take care of this. He'll work it out. So it's about God. According to his great mercy, he is a merciful God. Remember that. That's why he sent Jesus, isn't it? So we could be rescued from our sins. He saw our condition, he saw our need, and he sent his son so that we might have mercy, his mercy, and be forgiven of our sins. So he is of great mercy. He has caused us, if you are a Christian, to be born again through water and the Spirit, being baptized into Christ. Born again. Brought out from that old life into a new life. Who else, who else, where else can you start over? Does your boss let you start over? He'll never let you forget the time you messed up, right? It just won't, won't happen, you know. Uh -oh. He'll always have that in the back of his mind. You know, the new covenant, God says, I'll remember their sins no more. Isn't that wonderful? But you know what? We keep remembering those sins, don't we? We keep wanting to remember them and probably can't forget them, but we don't want them to weigh us down. God of great mercy, born again, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, it's not something uh, written on a piece of paper somewhere. It says, you know, this is your inheritance and this is your future. It's not, uh, you know, your IRA account. Where there's a balance there with so much on it. You say, this is your future. This is what you have. This is a living hope. He's alive, isn't he? He's alive right now at the right hand of the Father. He was raised from the dead. What, what else can the devil do to him? Not a thing. He conquered it all. 
He overcame everything, every adversity, every problem, even death, even sin. He beat it. That's where your hope is. It's a living hope. Don't forget that. We are protected by the power of God. Let's go to John 10. We're protected by the power. Here's, here's the God who created everything. And sometimes we think that the world is greater than our God, has more power than our God, and the world can't be stopped in what it's doing and its madness and its craziness and all its evil. That we cannot stand against the world. We can't by ourselves. What would Jesus say here in John 10, 28? I give eternal life to them. Well, let's go to 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. Indeed, that's what he does. He gives it to us. We don't earn it. They will never perish. That's this living hope through the resurrection of Christ. We have the same hope that he does. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me is greater than all. Do you believe it? He's greater than all powers on this earth, in the heavens, anywhere in this creation. He's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. They're working together on this. Now we can walk away. But as long as we have faith in Christ and we're pursuing and persevering and advancing, the devil cannot snatch you out of God's hand. No matter what the adversity, no matter what the trouble. Read the last few verses of Romans chapter 8. Some of, people, some of you all's favorite uh, readings. What can separate us from the love of God? So adversity and death and all this. It's the same idea. Nothing can. Nothing can God, cause God to stop loving you, and nothing can, can break that chain of love between you and God. The devil can't do it. We are protected by the power of God. And the same thing in regard to that, as we look back at that uh, idea of the inheritance, it's reserved in heaven. This is also about the power of God. This is like the uh, heavenly uh, safety deposit box. Okay? It's there in heaven, and we have it in Christ Jesus. And we can't lose it. It's imperishable and undefiled. Again, it's not like the IRA or the inheritance that gets tied up in the courts or whatever it is, or even your brand new vehicle that you just bought two weeks ago. It's already starting to rust. Yeah. This is imperishable. And God has it reserved. And it will not be lost. This is the future. Our future as Christians. 
We're protected by the power of God through faith. Now this is our part. Faith. Faith in God, love God, believe in God. He's going to talk about that in a little bit. We have to continue to believe and trust in God. And this is what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to stop having faith, looking at God. He wants you to start looking at the world, looking at your trouble, looking at your problems. Because that's when the faith starts to waver, isn't it? And you wonder, is God really with me? Can God really do this? Can I get out of this? Am I going to survive this? So you have to stop really looking at the problem and continue to look at Christ and renew that faith and that strength and just love him. We're going to talk about love here in a minute because of what he's done and what he's promised. The salvation's coming, ready to be revealed in the last time. The, the fullness and the completeness of it. All the glories of it. Yes, we're saved now, but boy, we haven't realized what that all means yet. And that's another reason to rejoice. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. All right? Now he's going to start talking about the joy. In this, and what he's just talked about already. All right, that God is with us, great mercy, living hope, uh, imperishable inheritance, it's reserved. You should be greatly rejoicing in that. And not looking so much at life and all the things that we have to do. We, we have to keep going back and being reminded and greatly rejoice in what God has done and has promised to do. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. Even though, you see, here's what we're talking about. And these early Christians, believe me, they had some trials. And they had some true persecutions, like some of our uh, brothers and sisters uh, over, uh, shall we say, Syria, Iraq, Vietnam, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. They're truly being persecuted for their faith. He says, you still greatly rejoice despite these things, in the face of these things. This is where the joy of the Lord is your strength because you know what you have and you know your God. Verse 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My faith and your faith must be tested. It must be tested. Don't you want to know if your faith is genuine? Or if your faith is just fair weather and everything's good, and I believe in God now because everything's great. I have no trouble. I've got a great job. Everything's good in the family. Nobody's sick. I can believe in God. But when things happen, as we say, when things go south and there's trouble, do you still believe in God? Do you still love him? Do you still trust him? 
This is when faith is tested. And we begin to wonder and question and we turn to other things at times. And some people walk away from God, as I've said. In any adversity, there is always a spiritual element. There is always the possibility that someone will turn and walk away from God. That's part of life. And that's what this verse is about. When we have the trial and we are tested, is our faith genuine? Notice, if it is, what? It's more precious than gold. I, I'm thinking Peter couldn't find a better word there because it's a lot more precious than gold. A lot more. Did you know that? That your faith is a lot more precious than gold? Isn't that amazing? In God's eyes, in our eyes, what kind of faith do you have? Has it been tested? And that faith may be found, as he says at the revelation of Jesus, when Jesus comes back on that day. And, and this is just amazing to me. To result in praise and glory and honor. And I don't know that that is so much for us. I think it's kind of a mutual thing as it is for Jesus. That, that Jesus is going to, to look at us, you know, as we've talked about, you know, everyone on the Judgment Day. In fact, we talked about Judgment Day last time. Not optional, right? And he's going to say, wow, look at you. All that you went through. And you're still here. And you're still mine. That's praise, glory, and honor to us from the lips of Christ, but it's also praise, glory, and honor to him, isn't it? Because he is the one that sustained us, and he is the one in whom we believe, and he is the one whom we look to to get us through it, isn't he? Isn't he? Isn't that amazing? What will it be for you on that day? Will Jesus say something like that to you? Wow. The trouble you faced and you made it. You beat that one back with my help. Amazing stuff. Wow. Rejoice. Verse 8. And though you have not seen him... You love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him. Even the, the people to whom Peter was writing had not seen the Lord in the flesh. Okay? Now some in Peter had, obviously, and some in the day had. But many of these, even these early Christians, had not seen Jesus in the flesh. Especially the ones who lived outside of Galilee and Judea. And so he's, he's saying here, you, you haven't seen him, and, let you, and yet you love him. How's that possible? How's it possible for us to love someone whom we have never seen? You ever think about that? 
How is it possible for us to believe in someone whom we have never seen or had a conversation with? Right here, right? This word of God which is living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, inspired by the Spirit of God, tells us about Jesus, doesn't it? This is an amazing book, and I encourage you, you hear me just say it all the time, get into this book, read this book, this is God's word to you. These are the words of truth and the words of life. Open up your heart and mind and take it in. Take in Jesus, the word of God. So he's writing to these Christians, says, you've never seen him, you love him. The commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the question comes to me and it comes to you, do you? You've never seen him. Do you love him? Would you die for him? That's what that means. One writer wrote, and said, you know, for the early Christians, when they came to Jesus, they were really saying, I'm going to die for you. Because they knew that it was very quite possible that they would give their life when they crossed that line and became a Christian. Do you believe in him? Not just that he existed, but that he is the Son of God. He is the Christ. And he brings these promises that he was raised from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. And he's everything he said that he was. And because if you've not seen him, you love him. And though you've not seen him, but believe in him, what? Here's this phrase again. You greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice, but what? With joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy beyond words. This is the kind of joy as Christians we're supposed to have. I can't even tell you how excited and happy and wonderful Jesus is. I'm so thrilled that I'm his. I can't tell you in words. I can just show you the way I live. I can try. Inexpressible words of joy. What have we missed, right? What have we missed? Obtaining is the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The Hebrew writer talked about a salvation, so great a salvation. He says, we don't want to lose it. So great. Well, we think, oh, I'm, I'm baptizing to Christ. I'm saved. Okay. Let's go, uh, let's go to Bob Evans and have lunch. This is a great salvation that was given, is given to us by Christ Jesus. We need to reflect on it and think about it and rejoice over it. You know, this short life, and, you know, again, he surely talks to me about being morbid and death, but 
It is a short life compared to eternity, right? We have good conversations. She's smiling. We have to keep that in our heads. And then let's finish it. As to this salvation, look at this. The prophets who prophesied the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. The prophets themselves, you know, Isaiah, Zechariah, Ezekiel, think of these names. As they prophesied about the Christ, I think of Isaiah 53. And they're wondering here, you know, they're talking with God and say, when is this going to happen? You know, what is this about? Who is this person? They wanted to know. It was so exciting. It was such a great promise that he was going to come and, and right all wrongs and, and promise these blessings of, of joy and life. It says it was real, revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, meaning themselves and their own generation, but you. And these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Now we have angels wanting to know, what is this, these humans down here on this little planet, what is it that you're going to give them? They want to know. See, they don't share in that. But we, that's for us. This is exciting stuff. You know, the, the scriptures try to tell us, and we read, you know, in, in, in words, what God wants to give us, what he's planning to give us, but it, it's, it's like it's so great and so wonderful and so marvelous that there just aren't words. Like we just saw a joy inexpressible. It's an amazing thing that God wants to do. They, like us, had the gospel preached to them by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. That gospel that we read about in this book, that good news of Christ Jesus, became a man, Jesus of Nazareth, lived a perfect life, and was offered up on the tree for you and for me to bring us a salvation to be revealed in the last time. We need to greatly rejoice in that. And when things get hard and rough, and even sometimes, you know what? Life just kind of gets blah, doesn't it? A little bit boring and flat. And you're just going through the motions. We need to return to the book. Return to 1 Peter. And remember what God has promised for us. I brought the, the song up that we sang before the lesson. Thank you, Jim, for singing that. Uh, 
as I've shared with the congregation before, we brought this, Don and I brought this back with us from Ukraine. Uh, it's a song they sang, and I remember singing it the first time I went. It was in their songbook. And here are these, these Christians, these very poor Christians, visited many of their homes. You know, they just had enough to get by. Believe me, they did not have near what you have. And they're singing this song with all the heart and all the expression and all the love. And that last, last verse always got to me. Oh, the joy that faith can bring us. Lo, our cups are overrun. That's the joy that they had in Christ. And that's the joy we need to have in Christ. Our cups are overflowing with the blessings of Christ Jesus. Joy inexpressible. If you want to obey the gospel this morning, we're here to assist you. Be baptized into Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian and Hey, you're just moping around out there and going through the motions. You need to refire, reignite, get reinvigorated in Christ. If you want prayer, that's available too. Maybe you don't want to come forward. You can talk to one of us, myself, Mike, or Mike after the, after the lesson. But if you want to come now, please come while Brother Jim leads us.